Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast currently, obviously, uh, entirely cognizant of the election results. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And actually, we're, just, we're not. But we're, just, we're just not going to tell you, the listener. Right. Well, isn't it so obvious? Isn't it amazing that that happened? <laughs> Well, Scott, it's, it's a day. It's a day we'll always remember. I mean, I think that that that's much. I, I mean, we'll all, we'll all remember where we were when you know this played out. Yes. And, uh, well, Scott know, is ahead of us by several hours in the UK, so he does know the results, and I'm I'm thankful that he's not spoiling it for us. That is that is how time works. Yep. Yes, precisely. Um, I am Frank, and I am on the Twitter machine, not looking more for the bills. Uh, injury report than anything political at the moment. I'm really trying not to to get myself in my knickers in a twist, as they say. Uh, but you know who had their knickers in a twist? Uh, those New England Patriots who lost the football game to the Buffalo Bills uh, right there at the end, uh, rolling down the field in typical goddammit New England Patriots fashion <laughs> with you know, seconds left and well within scoring position. And they just like clearly look like they were going to score a touchdown like they had a million times before. Uh, but, you know, um, practice squad members abound and Justin Zimmer with his timely uh, punching and uh, uh, the the defensive back whose name is escaping me jumping Dean on the ball. Marlo. Yeah, Dean Marlowe. Thank you. Not to mention the, the, the special teams guy. We'll get into all of that. Um, but. Bills win 24 to 21. Paul, where did where did we hear the score 24 to 21 Buffalo? I I think someone made it in their predictions, but uh, it wasn't me, Frank. Did you make a, a 24 no, 21? I, th- I don't think it was me either. Let's go to it's... who it was and he can start with his analysis. Scott, you missed yes, your, uh, you won both show, you won a both prof- showcases. A professional <laughs> a professional predictor of important things and Bills games. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was nice. Uh, it was uh, is a little, you know, there that was um, it had to be that, right? Yeah, I mean, it had it couldn't have been a thirty-five-three romp because that would have felt that would have cheapened it. We we really needed to completely just melt down at the end and really just make it look like this is gonna this is gonna all fall apart and put them put Cam Newton into that Tom Brady. Well, all we it's literally the one thing that you can't do is go into the fourth quarter with a one score lead with four minutes left and have the Patriots have the ball because mm-hmm. you know how that game's going to end. And by gummed, it looked like it sure was going to end that way. Like it was, it was, you could see it all is. And, and I was already had it in my head. It was like, Oh, well, you know, they, they certainly played well. That New England team's got a lot of flaws. We'll get over the hump one of these days. You know, maybe <laughs> they still got a shot at, you know, the playoffs. I think we're still in the ballpark here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, now it's like, now, I, I yeah, I mean, we've beaten the Patriots before, obviously, uh, you know, those five times <laughs> in the last 20 years or whatever it was. That's so exactly it's not a number, by the way. It's completely... It's not completely new, but it does it does have a bit of like I don't know that any of it's ever felt as real as this does. Like now now the pressure really is on the team to play well and make something of this. I mean, I think Frank's been pretty consistent. Like the goal is win the division. Um, I am definitely more of the the goal is to win the Super Bowl and have a team that's good enough to get there regularly. I mean, I think this team is right about there and doing it. And that makes 
every game all the more important. And so that's why it's so pleasing that they were able to put this one together, get it over the line with, uh, as Frank referenced, the the cast of a thousand characters, um, guys who were not really going to be expected to be major contributors this year, um, stepping up, um, guys who were, went down with injury um, and have come back and have gutted it out. Um, still, obviously, a lot of issues with this team. Um, Allen continues to be reverting to 2019 Josh Allen, you know, decent game running the ball, you know, one or two kind of iffy throws, you know, mostly a bunch of conservative kind of checkdowns, you know, one throw that was 100% on Gabe Davis and he needed to catch but couldn't bring it in, um, you know, uh, a lot of issues there. But with the run game now coming alive with Singletary and Moss, maybe less of a concern and the offensive line looking better, even with Morse getting um, injured, which is obviously tremendously concerning given his concussion history. And the defense, you know, the defense didn't do a spectacular go- job, but, uh, you know, as I was talking to the guys early on, you know, they were doing kind of what they needed to for at least a half. For at least that first half, they were they were keeping the Pats kind of at arm's length and really not letting them get too much going. Um, obviously, the Pats got it on track in the second half. There were some a couple drives and certainly the last drive where it was they were struggling to find someone who could who could make a stop. And, um, you know, I, I they, they they got it done. You know, they, they made the one play that they needed to um, to get it done. And sometimes that's all you need. And I'm glad they made it. Um, that's the uh, that's the difference between winning and losing. That's the difference between living and dying. If I can channel Al Pacino for just a moment. Um, <laughs> Very nice. That, um, that'll that'll be it for me. Let, well, let me ask you this really quickly, because I want Paul to start with this. After the game was over, like immediately after, were you happy or grumpy? I was um, happy. Positive or negative mood? What would you say? Happy. I was you were, okay, so you were on the on the plus. Okay, yeah. Paul, I, I want you to start with that, and then yes. when we get around to me, I'll explain why I'm I'm asking that question. Sure. Uh, I I'm always a big believer in what Pharrell Williams and Bobby McFerrin preach, so I was happy okay. as well. I I, I w- it was a tempered happiness. Okay. I first of all reminded myself that uh, unlike the the Bills and Beers crew, we did not throw $40 each down on the money line on a Gabe Davis TD that would have had a $600 payout. They were, uh, they were absolute centimeters from all getting lots of money. Right. So uh, that was sad. I was happy. And this is, we've seen this, this script flipped so many times where a, a Bills team that wasn't as good as a Patriots team took them down to the wire. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick is looking in the end zone for TJ Graham for a game-winning touchdown mm-hmm. that gets intercepted because Graham goes too deep on his pattern. That's something that actually happened. The Otis McKelvin runs it out of the end zone and successfully gets it past the two-minute warning, so the Patriots will have almost no chance of getting the ball back before there's 20 seconds left. But he fumbles the ball on the way out of the end zone, the Patriots score a winning touchdown. Uh, Teddy Bruschi is filleted for three and a half quarters while the Bills dominate the Patriots, <laughs> only for the Bills, God, Kelly Holcomb, to just turn the game over to the Pats. So this was one of those games, too, where you're watching from beginning to end and thinking, yeah, they're giving up some big runs to the Patriots version of Freddie Jackson. But, you know, overall, the Bills are clearly the better team. The Patriots are the one trying the little uh, techniques like the onside kick, like trick plays, like things that are that inferior teams try to do to win. And they got themselves right on the cusp of winning. 
And hilariously, for some insight for our audience, Scott had messaged Frank and I because his feed was ahead of ours and said, waiting, waiting. And as he was texting that to us, all I saw was Cam Newton running upfield with the football thinking, Faster's going to run this in the end zone, isn't he? Uh, and then Justin Zimmer happened, and and there was a lot of happiness throughout Bills Nation. So, yeah, it was the Scott hit on some of the major points the defense did. A very good job, I think, for one half. And then we saw the run defense weaknesses again. And, and Harrison Phillips kind of ex- re-exposed in his first game back. That's still an ongoing concern that I am hoping has been addressed uh, at the trade deadline, even though nothing has been reported yet. And we're after the 4 p.m. deadline. So we'll see. Um, you know, so that remains a concern. The the passing offense, again, Josh Allen can't, you know, find find his way into the end zone with his receivers he was held in check in terms of you know his ability to go downfield but you know he was relatively effective he had one one bad pass on the interception i don't think he really had any other ones that were near interceptions like he had in Mm-mm. in previous weeks so you know, overall he did what he had to do to get them downfield the offense did get in the end zone when they if they didn't get in the end zone three times this week uh, they were not going to win this game. So this this week they did get in the end zone like they couldn't last week, and that was a big deal. And I think it's so easy to look at this and be like, the Bills are so much better. They should have dominated. One, I'm not I'm not totally sold on the Patriots being terrible. They suffered. They didn't have Gilmore in there. They didn't have Edelman. They had everyone opt mm-hmm. out with COVID. Brady and Gronkowski have left town, and they have played exactly one of their seven games against a team with a losing record. And that's a decent three and four Bronco team. You know, there's no shame in losing to, you know, the the 49ers, the Bills, the Chiefs and the Seahawks for crying out loud. Uh, You know, it's those are those are But they've got the Jets twice. They've got the Texans again. They will probably finish with an okay record. But the good news is now the Bills are three and a half games up. Now it should be a two-horse race, and the Bills did what they need to do to win the game, and that makes me happy. Uh, Tyler Matakevich, let's uh, just yes. shout him out because if he doesn't get a, I'm I'm not sure that he was on the slate for later, but uh, you know, Tyler Matakevich might never have his name said again on this podcast, <laughs> other than ten years from now when it's a this day in Bills headlines question. Yep. Um, absolute heads up play, you know, like right, like coach for the little things. I want to say quickly before I forget. On the the interception, I I feel like Stefan Diggs has all but cop that he turned the wrong way on a mm-hmm. what, what is clearly a timing route. So there's a good there's a good argument that Josh Allen threw the exact ball he was supposed to throw, and then the guy just went the other way, and so it ends up as an interception. And so it's not like if, right. not, if not that I even blame Diggs for that. Just two guys who had no preseason together and haven't worked yes. together, and not on the same page. Uh, only 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 to highlight that it wasn't like some gross miss throw right like where he's like wildly inaccurate he was throwing it where he meant to throw it it just turned out that the guy went the other way so there's i feel like there's a qualitative difference there um but you know an interception's an interception and they and they do have to you know score more points they get to 24 on a, a terribly windy day where they they focus on running the ball to me it was the it was the chiefs and bills game in reverse where the bills were the better team and it was remarkable to see a bill belichick team um, look, I feel like the, I feel like the Patriots played with a lot of pride in a lot of ways, right? Like they, they had lost three in a row. They, they had a lot of people on that team that didn't want to lose four in a row and they played like a, like a 
tough ass team like the Jets the week before, like the team that was kind of sick of losing. And so teams like that, you know, they can get some good punches in and then the good teams pull them out. Now, maybe maybe if you're Kansas City, like you smother them quicker or something, I, I can accept that. But I don't need that. I don't need the Bills to be Kansas City today. I just need the Bills to get the win today. I, um, I was worried you were heading into just strictly trolling Pats fans territory at that point, because that's literally <laughs> literally, I'm sure, like what every Patriots podcast said about the Bills games for the last five seasons. Oh, probably. yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, you know. they, they, that Bills team plays with a lot of pride. You know, a lot of people <laughs> think this division isn't tough, but that's a tough team over there. They're getting better. That kind of horse shit. Like, no, I'm no, no. Glad the, the Patriots are a like, bad team yeah. that pick their ass up for a, a, like three quarters of a game. And they really get and, – and, you know, to, to McDaniels and Belichick's credit a little bit, I feel like they came up with the game plan. Keep it a one-score game and try and be there at the end. And they kind of were, the kind of like the Bills were against the Chiefs. And in both cases, you know, the better team won. The other thing that was remarkable about the game, uh, third and 19 and a couple of like these downs where they were just like not even trying for a first down. They were just like, they were like fully in 1986 and they were going to play for field position. And that was remarkable to me that like, you know, Cam Newton doesn't even get to try and throw the ball. Like, like it's not even a draw play. Like you're just going to literally hand it off and run to the left and get, get four yards like that. That's insane to me. Um, it was sort of remarkable to see that not only in this day and age, but, you know, specifically with the Patriots uniforms uh, doing that, too. I felt like, you know, there, there's a there's a fair question that um, people have raised that the Patriots played with seven defensive backs the entire game that they gave the Bills the running. So the Bills took the running. You know, it's understandable. Same thing Belichick did against the Bills in Super Bowl 25, by the way. Seven right. defensive backs, staring them to run. Mm-hmm. And what did you have? A one-score game, and yep. instead the kicker just missed, right? And they took a vastly better team, vastly better passing offense. It's a nice thing that, that, that teams are now game planning for the pass game, right? Like, to me, there's like a real nice swing to the idea that like we have to be careful because the bills can throw the ball you know and we don't want we're not going to take any chances getting beat deep now ultimately somebody has to break through that because i'm not sure you know i think the nice thing is that Allen, for the most part plays pretty well i felt like honestly it was an okay game from Allen. you know gabe davis should catch that that touchdown pass stefan diggs doesn't break the wrong way um you know, John Brown, again, looking like not great, you know, like not super healthy. Maybe Cole Beasley. I, I did, obviously didn't watch the tape. Maybe Cole Beasley should have been involved more. Um, but I never felt like Allen was out of control or anything during the game, which even in like the first part of the Jets game, he felt a little stupid. Right. And so in this game, it was like, no, nope, he was pretty much in control. He was taking what the team gave him. They were running. They were happy having the ball and feeling like we're the better team. We're going to be there in the end. You know, for a team that scored, you know, they scored three touchdowns. That's great. You know, um, Moss twice and Allen once, of course, um, with, with uh, and my last little shout out here, John Feliciano basically carrying, you know, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just thinking yeah. about the image, carrying Zach Moss across the car, across the goal line um, for the first touchdown. Um, and Tyler Bass, you know, having a nice uneventful game, you know, one field goal attempt, a couple of extra points attempts and, and nothing crazy, um, nothing crazy happening there. So I think that 
uh, and the reason I'd asked you guys how you felt was because the Bills, um, if you'd listen to the radio, uh, it, it felt like they almost lost the game because they didn't beat the Patriots by about 20, right? And, like, there was this prevailing theory that, like, well, what's wrong with this team because they, they, they beat a bad team by three and almost lost. And I feel like I can reliably count on you two if that's the if that's a good read or a good feeling. And the fact that both of you kind of felt good after that game makes me feel like, no, like that's kind of right. Like I felt pretty good about that game too. I kind of quickly assessed that game as like, I don't know, like it never felt like New England had the talent to keep up with Buffalo. I think they had a good game plan. I think they executed it pretty well. And ultimately Buffalo was the better team. And yeah, it took a little magic at the end to get a good fumble, but you know, they did it. And so for me, I'm very excited that they beat the Patriots. However, by book, by hook or by crook, um, as you said, you know, three and a half games up on new England, um, two and a, it's, it's a weird because uh, game and a half on the dolphins game and a half, but also they have the initial the tie break because yep. they won the game. So it's like one and three quarters. Um, Right, and if the Bills win any one of their two remaining AFC East games or the Dolphins lose any one of their remaining three, the Bills will have all the tiebreakers mm-hmm. over the fans. So just need to finish with an equal record. And that's a good that's a good place to be. Um, yeah. We'll talk about Miami a bit, a bit more in a minute, but let's get to three stars because there's quite a bit still to get to um, here. But I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, in, our, in the first full-on Bills versus Pats, I don't know, I guess full on. I mean, COVID. I don't know. I'm happy we beat the Pats. I'm happy to see what three stars is. All right, three stars. It's gonna start off with our honorable mentions as usual, and there he is, that man, Tyler Matakevich, backup linebacker, but obviously um, mostly on the team for his special teams prowess. And I don't think that we thought that recovering surprise onside kicks was part of that, but obviously that is that is the uh, that is the high awareness score on Tyler Matakevich's uh, Madden. Yes. Uh, ranking um, that allowed him to keep his head on a swivel, be aware of that kind of surprise onside kick, which was, a, again, as Frank said, a very Belichickian gutsy, but honestly, when you think about it, kind of makes sense, um, kind of move and and one that that very closely could have paid off if it wasn't for a great play by Matikiewicz. Again, you never know how the game changes. Maybe the Bills have to get more aggressive and maybe they're able to do that. Maybe they can't. But um, you I know, think a good, just sorry to. Yeah. I think it makes clear they understood they didn't have the 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 off they didn't have the horses so they better yeah. get the ball back again if they can. Yeah. No, 100%. They 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 were that is that is that was they were running the old not not to say that the not to say I mean I'll, I'll yeah, I'll just say it. They were running the old Bills playbook of like, mm-hmm. well, we got one shot at this motherfucking team. Let's throw everything we got at them. Every trick play, every we're going to game plan. We're going to have stuff that we've never shown anyone this year that we're going to show against them. We're going to because we got to get this one. And they knew they had to get this one and they didn't. So I'm, I'm with you, Frank. I'm, I'm happy they did. This wasn't just another game um, against some random NFC team. So uh, anyway, so he gets an honorable mention. Um, uh, just briefly, I will mention uh, A.J. Klein and what hopefully will be his last time ever on the Bills gets the 106th <laughs> star. Um <laughs> For worst <laughs> player on the field on a consistent that's basis. A, that's a relief to Ike Butker, for, for sure. He's <laughs> happy to be number 102. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, we got we got that. We got 
Uh, third star goes to uh, Damian Harris, uh, 16 carries, 102 yards, and the touchdown uh, for New England. Obviously, um, again, in that second in that second half there, he really got on track, was able to make some hay against uh, a Bills defensive line that once again kind of disappeared for a half a football, which is not what we're paying them $100 million for, even if they were um, a little dinged up or whatever it is. Um, but that was pretty much um, unacceptable. I will give the second star to Justin Zimmer, who had one Ooh. one tackle on the day and one forced fumble. But my, what a forced fumble it was. And honestly, I give it to him mostly just because I get a little choked up reading the kind of the bio and the career practice squad guy who's kicked around from team to team. You know, there's actually a guy at my work who was a practice squad guy and, um, he he you know that's not you know every obviously when you're in the league and you're on like uh, like a, even on a rookie contract or on like a you know a regular veteran contract it's like you're making money you're you're doing good you you are that guy who's making enough money to that you know most most people would make in like five or ten years you're making that in a year and yeah your agents and everything else are going to take a piece but you're still doing pretty well when you're in the practice squad man you're not that isn't you don't have that glamour life you don't know the next time you're you're your your numbers up and they need some some guy got injured but it's not the guy you're backing up it's some other guy and they need to bring someone else in so that they can start working on their depth and you're out on the street like it's it's no joke and i'm and it's like i don't have any particular justin zimmer is not a wisconsin guy i will just say say that up front (laughs) um but he could be because he's got heart no um no he's just i mean I, i don't know anything about him maybe he's a huge jerk but it just seemed like everyone in the locker room was really pleased that he was there and made that play in that moment and that they were proud of him and that he'd been in the league for four or five years and it's been kicking around and he finally had, he's finally really gotten a shot with his team. I think he's playing really well. Um, He's like a defensive tackle. So you're not going to see him that much, but um, he was there. He has been making little plays throughout the season, but he, he made a really, obviously the play of the game. Some people are saying the play of the year so far for the bills. And so I, yeah. So second star, there you go. Um, and also, first star, his mom, also his mom was on Twitter and very happy for him. I'm sure she was. I'm sure. She, she became a minor Bills Mafia celebrity for a minute I, there when she was like, yeah. "That's my baby boy." Yeah. No, it's no, it's it's you know sometimes life is just that simple. You know sometimes it's just mm-hmm. you get something like he gets to tell his grandkids about that. Um, so anyway, uh, your first your first star goes to Deck Singalos who had 28 carries, 167 <laughs> yards, and two touchdowns, um, a.k.a. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, who finally sort of showed up for the game, for the mm-hmm. whole four quarters, which was super helpful because we definitely would not have won if they were not there. And, yeah. and I, I agree. Like, Allen didn't play, surely didn't play terrible, but we would not have won the game without Devin Singletary mm-hmm. and Zach Moss. Like if they they showed up like they had showed up three or four weeks ago against KC and they're running into guys, like we we lose twenty one seven. Like it's not yeah. even really like not even in the ballpark. So good for him. Uh, good for other him. Moss looks more dynamic now that he has the is fully healthy and can run full speed into guys. I think I am seeing more of what his game is, even though. Uh, he still does not have the game-making speed that both he and Singletary lack. But ultimately, like, you're going to get – if you're a 
not to pick only Wisconsin running backs, but like a Jonathan Taylor 4-4 guy or a Melvin Gordon like 4-4 when he was running out of college. Like if you're going to if you have one of those guys, they're going to hit that like two or three times a year. Like they're not going to hit an 80 yard touchdown every game. So Mm -hmm. you really just need a guy who's got enough vision to get you 10 and 20 yard, you know, runs consistently and be able to or not 10 consistently, but at least one or two of those (laughs) games. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, like, well, he's got to average like, oh, 10 yeah. to 20 yards a carry. No problem. Um, and then the and then the other thing is, yeah, the and then be able to take, you know, plays that are blocked for zero or one yards and get three or four yards out of it. And and they were able to do that successfully on Sunday. So that's why it goes to Singletary and Moss as your first star. Very good. We'll see if that like can, thank you for that, Scott, as always. We'll see if that maintains or if that was games plan specific, because I'm wondering if uh, I mean, look, they might have to if, if teams keep t- taking away the deep ball, then, you know, they're going to have to be able to show up and score points and get chunks of yards, because if they don't, there's going to be a problem. Um, let's move on to what's next. Yeah, Mitch Morse. Okay. Uh, not Michael Morse. Mitch Morse. Uh, gets his fifth concussion of the game. Um, replaced oh, the fifth concussion of his career, not of the game, thankfully. Uh, yeah. If Oof, you have five right. concussions a game, your medical staff needs to be In the 50s, you too. could get five. In the 50s, you could get five <laughs> yes. concussions a game before somebody would take you out. Uh, no. Fifth co- concussion of, of, of his career. He's 28 years old. Um, I suppose it's important to note, you know, he has two years after this year left on his deal. Um, for seven and six million dollars each, or seven and seven million dollars, basically, um, a free agent in 2023. Um, obviously a good center when he's healthy, but as Paul pointed out in our group chat, not always healthy. Um, so Paul, why don't you take the lead on Morse here and give us your thoughts, including how maybe Feliciano filled in. Uh, at center after. after yeah, I was, I was surprised this wasn't a bigger uh, story after the game. When you have had five concussions, you are getting near that very risky Kevin Cobbish territory where you're going to suffer from long-term problems. So first, just want to say whatever the you know health situation of Mitch Morse is, uh, that should be most prominent. I was relieved, for example. When Derek Anderson eventually is like, no, I'm I'm done now. I have decided to retire. I'm like, good. You're you're no. You had a great. You had a very good NFL career, uh, but but it's time because he had some really difficult post concussion mm-hmm. symptoms as well. So you know, first becomes the health of Mitch Morse. Second becomes what that potential health issue means for the team. Uh, as Frank you know alluded to with his contracts, he's he's not going anywhere this year for sure. Um, he's due. Uh, his cap number next year, he's due seven million next year's cap number would be 10.375. The team could get rid of him, but they're on the hook for five and a half. If he can get through next year, the team is fine because even though he has one year left on his contract, they can save eight and a half million by moving on from from Mitch. Uh, if in fact for his health and well being, that's the decision. I liked what Feliciano brings to the offense at center. Uh, this was not the best competition he will have. He will have much different competition coming up just this week against Seattle and through the second half of the season. I assume Mitch Morse is going to be out this week at the very least. I, I would be shocked if he plays just based on the fact that it's his fifth concussion. Uh, you don't usually come back and play seven days after that's happened. So I think we'll get a good audition for him. And if he becomes a solution at center, if you think Cody Ford can stay healthy and, and be at left guard 
and you have your left tackle Deion Dawkins. Now you're just you kind of have a focus, right? It's like let's rebuild this right side of the line, you know. However, we need to for the long term because those are all good, reasonably priced solutions that the Bills have under contract, um, you know, through through a little bit of time. But yeah, I worry about Micah Hyde a little bit because he had the concussion injury as well. I don't think that was his fifth of his career, so he's okay. Um, but from an individual perspective, a personal perspective, I hope Mitch gets through this. And if he's not going to, if it's an injury issue, the Bills do need to start thinking about what they're going to be doing with the offensive line come 2021 and beyond. Yeah, it's a um, and, and Scott, we'll get to you in a second here. It's obviously a concern. Um, I, I felt like it was nice to see Feliciano in the run game period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget who played center before him. Right, there Ryan was, Bates had one series, and yeah. they scored a touchdown with him in there. They did, they did, and I, and it was weird to see like then them switch to a third place because Bates was all right. He he kept playing, yeah. as far as I can tell. Um, and so yeah, I think that getting both of them any sort of real live time was a good choice. Um, you know, that was good. Maybe, maybe it, maybe it, they just felt like it was an ask a lot to ask Feliciano to change positions in the middle of a drive rather than bring him back and do this, but whatever they do, they, they simplified it and managed to score a touchdown. They managed to kind of get points. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to, I think there's going to have to be a clear backup option, which is, it's never a good time, right? For that. Um, especially on an offensive line that had been kind of like keeping Allen clean, but not playing great. That certainly the, the run game up until this point hadn't been great. So um, I'd like, I guess I'd just like to echo Paul's sentiments that obviously, you know, his health is, is first and foremost. Um, but it's a noticeably better line from a few years ago when he wasn't there. I mean, they, they, they had one year in the wilderness without Eric Wood before he showed up and it, and um he he definitely is a difference maker and going going forward i think you want him on the field rather than not cuz i think you know having feliciano at center's fine but if you get him and feliciano both on the line i think it really begins to change the bills abilities uh going forward here um scott do you have any any thoughts on him or his contract situation or the, the only thing i would the only thing i'd add is is we, we talked briefly before we started of like there 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 have been no trades and that one would have been another place where you could have looked to maybe shore things up with mm-hmm. depending on morse's you know thoughts kind of immediately afterwards i mean i hope you know on some level, I would hope that the Bills have talked to him at left to be like hey you're not going to immediately retire like right now right and in which case they would have been more aggressive, hopefully, in getting some another body on deck. Because I think, yeah, I agree that. So, so Betker is is really not a long term answer. I mean, Bates Bates seemed good enough to play center, and maybe that makes him good enough to play guard too. Obviously, the skill sets aren't that different. You really just have to be able to, you know, block the guy really just in front of you. There's no other like, just don't snap the ball. Like that's the difference between playing center and guard on some level. So, um, I think think he could survive out there but again it's a depth issue of like if he gets hurt or Feliciano gets hurt again then you're really in trouble at that point because then Becker really does have to kind of play on a regular basis so that's not great and then yeah I mean it's just they gotta hopefully yeah Mitch is Mitch is better and then yeah the line would look great with all five of them on it um but you know at least the other thing is maybe Cody Ford comes back at some point but again like Cody Ford coming back is not like a grand solution to me on some level so um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully everyone gets better soon and that's it. Yeah. I, well, 
okay, then fine. If that's it, then we won't say anything else on it. <laughs> um, Bill's uh, Tremaine Edmonds was he? Yeah, he's we still battling. Into... I'm, I'm trying yeah. to literally. I'm trying to cheat on the injuries a bit because we didn't have an injury report. I yeah. guess I officially don't have to file one till Wednesday, so I doubt we're getting one today at this stage of the game after 5 p.m. <laughs> but he still looks to. He's played every snap. He still looks to be battling that shoulder injury. Milana was still in only on third downs. I, John Brown wasn't much in the game plan, but that could just be an easing back in thing, which is what they plan to do with Fel- what they've done with Milano and what they've planned yeah. to do with Feliciano before uh, Morse's injury that we just discussed. Um, so, yeah, that's I, I think that I think Tremaine's still so I think the linebackers are still suffering some uh, some pain. Levi Wallace was back, though, I believe. Yes. All right. Well, let's let's move on from injuries then, since we, yep. we don't know what the hell is going on with them. Um, <laughs> Do we have any listeners' questions? Uh, and then we should talk. No, you know what? Skip listeners' questions. Let's talk about the halfway point. Yeah. Bills are six and two, and we can also talk about our third quarter preview here. Yeah. Um, I also like extrapolating the stats now over a full season because the math is easier. Mm-hmm. You just multiply by two, which lets us know that Josh Allen uh, should be a 4,344 yard passer with 32 touchdowns and 10 picks this year. That's, that would be, I mean, that would be good. I take that. that, Right. (laughs) Um, and they'll be 12 and four, which is also good. Um, with a negative two point differential, which don't believe that bullshit about the negative point differential. Don't worry about it. That's That's a, a, we could have a whole pot on that. We could, and I'm not, I'm going to refrain because it's, it's just a junk stat at this point. Um, you know, uh, but look, they beat the teams they should beat. They lost to two good teams. Um, one of their losses, the Tuesday night against Tennessee, I would like to maintain, was like as much a, a just bad day at the office as anything else. Um, and otherwise, look, they're 6-2. and two. They're 6-2, and two and their game's up in the division. And perhaps Scott is right that the ultimate goal should be win the Super Bowl, but the first stop on the way is to win the division. And they, they, they've got that squarely in their sights. It is 100% their race to lose at this point. Um, well, I think when it all is a wild card, unless you're the 2019 Washington Nationals. Correct. Um, or one of the many Marlins teams to have won the World Series. <laughs> yes. Um, the Marlins team that's never won a division in 30 won two years. World Series, right, has yes. two World Series titles. Um, but the, the, the point here being, excuse me, Excuse me. Uh, the point here being that the, the, the Bills are, are masters of their own domain uh, for the first time in quite a while. Um, they were to some extent last year kind of in a race with the Patriots at the end, but it was like always a long shot because it was the Patriots. But here they are. They're 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 leaps and bounds ahead of of even Miami, who has come on and played very well. Um, but, you know. There will be talk of the second half being tougher. I think by hook or by crook, all of us got them to six and two. I think we all picked different yep. losses at different points. But like taking our picks together, we would have all been around six and two. Um, so let's go to Scott first on this one. Scott, give us your thoughts on this. And then I'll just mention uh, not counting this week against the Seahawks, who do not have a very good defense, Paul. So I don't know <laughs> how much of a stretch it will be for John yeah. Feliciano. They, we'll they've made some good offenses, I'll, I'll say. But right, we'll, okay. We'll um, so they're going to play uh, at Arizona. They're going to have a week off. They're going to be home against the Chargers, and then they're going to play Monday night 
in San Francisco against um, the Garoppolo-less so, Niners and a Kittle and a Kittle-less Niners. Niners yeah. Yes, um, and so go ahead, Scott. You you can talk about the first half. Give us your your quick thoughts on on how many of those three wins you think they might get in quarter number three, and then we'll turn it over to Paul. Uh, yeah, I'll, um, I mean, obviously the, you know, the team has evolved a lot in like eight weeks. Um, you know, we went from like a high flying, no defense team to a kind of decent enough offense and decent enough defense team, um, to where we're a little, not quite as bad as, not quite as bad as we were on defense last year, but, um, quite as good, bad as we were on offense last year, but worse than we were on defense last year. So hopefully, you know, the team kind of finds whatever identity it wants to be a little bit. I remember that was one of the critiques from someone at the beginning of the season on some level, or at least someone I read was like, they don't know what the identity of this team is. I mean, I think functionally it's Josh Allen's team. And so if Josh Allen plays well and kind of snaps out of whatever this funk is and can kind of make those connections with John Brown better, I think the sky's the limit um, for this team, at least until you get to the real, you know, up to the current sky, which is the chiefs and to a lesser extent, mm-hmm. maybe the Steelers um, and maybe even the Seahawks, I guess we'll, we'll find out. Um, but we'll get to them later for the third quarter. I will say um, going to Arizona seems like a tough kettle of fish. Uh, if I could choose a odd metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't even think that desert. one exists. So well done. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a thing. It's just not normally for when you're playing a team in the desert. That's, oh, yeah. Um, but That's, anyway, it so, probably explains why they're tough fish, right? Because yeah, or something. I, I don't yeah, know. it's it's not really important. It have um, to be your bowl. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, they they have some. They obviously have Kyler Murray. They've got some talent on that team. Um, they're they they've beaten some. They beat Seattle, who's obviously a, a pretty good team, um, and they beat a healthy Niners team earlier on in the season. So they, I'm not completely sold on them, but I think going to there is going to be tough. So I'll, I'll put that as an L, and then I'll say, uh, you know, they get the bye, so nice. Uh, they get the Chargers at home. That really should, has to be a win. Mm-hmm. And then you got that at San Francisco game. Obviously, that's going to be a tough one just because you got to go all the way out west uh, on a Monday night. You're going to have a weird week. Um, but with Garoppolo and Kettle out, um, Kittle out, I feel that is a Kittle of fish. By the way, oh. very nice. Thank you. Yeah, let's pay. Should have saved that for forty nine. It was all a setup. It was a long payoff right there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think we can get that win too. Um, that doesn't mean as much. That is less of a measuring stick game than it used to be now with that kind of shell of a Niners team that will be playing on that Monday night. No, I, I still don't think we're automatically assumed to win, but I think we win. So I, I'll put us at two and one for that that stretch. Okay, that's pretty good. I think that that's that's pretty good. Um, so obviously already at eight wins, three quarters of the way through the seasons, uh, Paul, go ahead and give us your thoughts there. Yeah. It's, um, my thoughts will be similar to, to Scott's in a lot of ways. Looking at the first half, I also, you know, I did extrapolate Josh's numbers. Stefan Diggs would become, I believe the first 1400 yard receiver in Bill's history. If he keeps up his, his numbers, I'd have to take a look at some of the mold years and see if he ever quite got to that, that level of production. So it's good to see that, but as Scott know, the offense has stalled out in recent weeks. We'll see if they can, can pick it up now. Uh, if they get a healthy Brown, if they can get the offensive line fixed up and just generally 
you know, I think if you get the running game going and teams can no longer play seven defensive backs against you and still be having a chance to win at the end of the game, you know, that'll go a long way toward helping as well. So I think it's, it's a good team. I've heard some people question that. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind it's a good team. Are they a great team? I think we're not going to know that until the end of the, the season, of course. But it's it's a pl- privilege to watch a team like this versus the ones we had for 17 years from 2000 to 2017. So overall, please, and I think 6-2 and two is exactly where they should be. Looking ahead, uh, I'm with Scott on the the Cardinals game, the, the team that was known as the St. Louis Cardinals when we were kids and then moved to Arizona to be the Phoenix Cardinals, now just the Arizona Cardinals. They... Uh, that's against Kyler Murray against, I think that can be, that can be a close game. Uh, but looking at who's going to be favored in that, certainly the Cardinals, I would have to imagine will be favored going out West to win is often tough going out West to win against a team. That's the Seahawks only lost this year is an even tougher endeavor. So I lean toward uh, Arizona on that one by week. This is the latest possible by week you could get this year, though. Technically now there's a, a couple teams, the random week 13 by week because of COVID issues. But you, when that happens, if you know that you're going to go into that by week and at worst be six and four and in, in charge of your division in the lead in your division, which is what the bills would be. You're you'll take that late by week. It's a good time then to have that late in the season by that allows you to prepare for what's going to be a busy December for, for the bills chargers. Yeah. Scott said, this has to be a win. Uh, obviously chargers can certainly win this game, but this is a team that the bills are better than. And with the challenges that the schedule is going to pose throughout the month of December, they really need this game. And I expect them to, to win this game. Uh, very. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to belabor it. I'm. I'm gonna basically pick what you guys have picked. I'm gonna say the Chargers they can win and the Niners they can win. Um, and I'll pick the Cardinals as a loss only because I feel like they probably aren't gonna win five in a row. So, um, that's kind of where I'm at with the quarter. And I'm very pleased with six and two. Um, as one of our listener questions will get to the six and two this year versus six and two last year. Um, may I read some questions from our listeners? Is that all right with y'all? Absolutely. Go ahead. Very good. Jay asked this question, and Paul and I got to him on on Twitter, but obviously we want to rope Scott into this question. Um, For the pod, this win was important for morale as much as the division record. What wins out of division does Buffalo need to be real Super Bowl contenders, which are okay to lose? And I told Jay I'm going to cheap out on this because I know what people want to say. The answer is playoff games. Like, I don't give a shit about any measuring stick games between here and the Super Bowl. They don't have to beat the Steelers in the, in the regular season. They don't have to beat the Seahawks. I, I don't care. They need to get into the playoffs and then win games and get to the Super Bowl. That's how you become a Super Bowl contender. Because there are just so many teams that struggle in the middle of the year and look different by the end. And so, I don't know. Like, if... If you're looking at these games as as measuring stick games, I, I feel like that is so much more of an emotional and, and I'm not dismissing emotion as a as an important thing here, but like that's an emotional feeling about, well, we now know we can beat the Chiefs. Well, you know what? You were within one score of the Chiefs. And like if you if you don't already know that like the Bills on a lucky day could beat the Chiefs, like I don't know what to tell you. Like 
It doesn't matter anyway because they, it only matters at one point yeah. when they need to. Bill, beat the Bills beat the Raiders. Raiders beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. There's, there's that law. Exactly, and they were within a score at the end of the game. And yeah. really, if 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 the ball comes out, you know, a tenth of a second sooner, you know, Buffalo has the ball in Chiefs territory late in the game with an opportunity to win. So, you know, that to me is like, I've seen all I need to see. I th- I think that the point of measuring stick games, and then we'll go to Scott, and I'm sorry if I'm just sucking all the air out of this question, guys, <laughs> but like the point of those games is to show that you belong. And I feel like if your only response is, well, only if they win do they belong, then what the fuck are you even saying? Like, and I, I'm not say, even saying Jay's saying this. It's like, I know what the Bills are. The Bills are a good, probably good to great team. They are not a great to superb team. And a good to great team can get in the Super Bowl, especially when Tom Brady's not in the division. So, Scott, have I said anything to offend you at this point? No, you haven't said anything. To, I mean, I think the I think two things. One, I mean, I think I, I, I agree, I think, in general about measuring stick games in the sense that, like, this is not college football. We will all play the important teams on the way to the game or those teams will be eliminated because they didn't play well in a game against another good opponent. Like there is no – these don't actually matter except for the Steelers game because the Steelers game is a team who is in the conference. Right. And if we play them and beat them at home, there's a much greater chance that if we play them again, we'll be playing them at home again in the playoffs. Even if it's not, there's obviously a lot of water between those two bridges um, to throw out a completely nonsensical metaphor, but (laughs) it's better to have won that game and lost another one rather than lose that game and win another one. I I agree with that. that. Do you think, would you agree that maybe this is the one year that where that might not matter because there might not be fans anywhere? It is, it is, it matters less this year. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll see okay. what happens at the end of the season. I sure. that's a good question. Someone could probably Google what um, NFL kind of home teams versus spread 2020 is, right? And see what the answer came up as. But I, I think, yeah, it it's, it certainly matters less. But I think everyone in the Bills would tell you they'd rather have that game at home. So I'll just leave it there. Okay, that's I, that's a thoroughly acceptable answer. Right. I will I will baby split to uh, also what else is new? Butcher, yeah. <laughs> Butcher cliche here, but yeah, I, I, because I I agree with Frank. The playoff games are the games that matter. So if they lose to the Steelers and the Seahawks, and let's face it, those are the two measuring stick games above all because those are right now the best teams in the NFC and AFC respectively. You know, but if they can get to a Super Bowl, uh, win a, or even get to the AFC title game, win a couple of playoff games to get there, I am sold that they are on the right path. Uh, but I also think. It would be good to win one of those, whether it's the Seahawks, whether it's the Steelers, to show that, okay, you have you have home games this year against the Chiefs, the Seahawks, and the Steelers. Those, those are ideal. You're in your ideal environment again without Bills fans, as we, you know, it's just just discussed. But still, you're not doing any traveling. You know, you you're the you have a chance to knock off three of the league's best. They already missed that chance against Kansas City. I would really prefer they do it against one of those the two other teams but i accept if they can't as long as they they get as far as say the afc title game uh paul i looked up at nfl teams against the spread as the home team and the problem is they're breaking it down by down by team and i don't have the the 
the wherewithal to add it all together and then and then also tell you whether that's better or worse than most years so i'm just gonna say that you're right all Uh, right i'm fine with that conclusion yes um uh let's see who has some more questions mike says we're six and two after eight games the same as last year i for one am much more excited about this team and i think we are in a much better position going forward how would do you all feel um I think it's hard to say you're not in a better position since you're sitting on top of the the the, comp, the division by uh, you're not in a better position because of course they are sitting atop the division by multiple games um uh more than one at least um I don't know are they, am I more excited for this 6 and 2 team? I think I am. I think but I'm more excited about little thing, not little things, but like Stefan Diggs makes me more excited, right? Like I felt like super excited about a six and two bills team last year. I felt like the only worry I had was we were already feeling like we were probably fighting for a wild card spot, but at least we were kind of near the top of the wild card stuff. Um, Paul, why don't you take this one first off of my hands? Um, but I, I do feel more excited, but I don't know if I, I guess what I'll say, and you can answer me on this. I don't know if I, I don't know how much better this team is than last year's six and two team. Right. They, but the, in terms of the eye test, I think they are, they are better. Okay. They've had some stiffer, they've definitely, they say they've had stiffer competition than the first half of last year, but that let's be honest, that wasn't difficult when you look at their schedule the first half of last season. So I think what you see them able to put together offensively is leagues beyond what they were doing last year. And while they have slipped defensively, I think the advancements they've made on the offensive side of the ball have more than offset those. I think special teams has been stronger as well, uh, both on Robert's returns and kick coverage and everything else. So, yeah, I'm going to say that this is a better six and two than last year's six and two. Yeah, I, I, I think I think is part of it, as Frank said, is the is the lack of the the kind of the Patriots out there as the menacing apparition that can be can can kind of you know that you're you're chalking up at least one loss, if not two, to them and therefore the division probably. So that's part of it for me. Um I think I'm also maybe a little less excited just because this not I don't know, I didn't remember how excited I was last year, but it seems this year with the fact that like they've seemed like they've been playing worse the last four weeks than the first four weeks. Kind of like the trend isn't quite where I wanted to be like, yeah, they got the win this week against the Patriots and that was nice. And I was happy, but if you're asking me, are they playing better now than they were at the beginning of the season? The answer is no. Um, mm-hmm. Now, admittedly the, the defense is playing better, but not so much to, um, you know, that offense was looking pretty un, unstoppable early on, but now that they've been kind of found out here. So we have to, figure out what's 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 how to get them back on track so that's all i'll hold there okay that's fine uh steven long time listener steven many many thoughts on the twitter uh he he says i know you guys like it when alan airs it out but it sure was nice to see a strong running game sure is it too early to start talking about the playoff picture uh we'll come back to that seeing how much trouble the bills had the past two weeks putting away teams that sure looked a lot softer i'm becoming increasingly skeptical about a quote deep playoff run the jets two best performances this year in terms of point differential were the two games against the bills and i'm wondering whether the Dolphins switch to Tua might have been premature and work to buffalo's benefit come january so let's take these in reverse order let's talk about the dolphins let's talk about whether you're worried about the bills making a deep playoff run and whether it's too late to talk about or too early to talk about the playoff picture. Um, 
we had said in the I had said in the Twitter like I wasn't denigrating Tua, but it's an interesting time to have you know the second best team in the in the, the division um, switch to a rookie quarterback um, because you're going to ask different things of him than you would have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now obviously they're confident in him, but I'm happy that the the uh, my my thought was that not so much whether Tua will succeed or not in the league, but they're going to start getting tape on him now. And so there's an idea that maybe you are shooting yourself in the foot by switching to a, a him at this particular moment. Um, I don't know. We'll have to kind of see how that looks. I'm not worried about this, Steve. And I think maybe my last answer uh, um, elucidated that, but like, I'm I'm not putting much stock in what's happening in the regular season other than being healthy. I know they can do the things that they can do. So I'm not worried about them not being able to do those things. It's just a matter of whether they're going to do them or not in the playoffs. And I still maintain that they were probably better than the the Houston Texans last year. And it didn't really much matter because they didn't put it all together at the end. Um, So deep playoff runs are as much luck as they are talent. And I'm confident at least in the talent and whether it's too early to start talking about the playoff picture. I'm wondering if it is. Yes, it is. Because even though I think that they are going to make the playoffs, like kind of clearly knock on wood, um, what's the point of kicking around whether they're going to play Indianapolis or somebody else yet, because that's all going to half the season has left to come. So it's, it's, we can do it. I just, think it's kind of a fruitless conversation scott do you want to tackle any or all of those yeah i mean no i i agree i think yes I, this isn't like a, we can't talk about the playoffs because we're we're all it's too early to talk about the playoffs as in so many bill seasons past it's more just there's too many variables there's a lot that can happen injuries you know still potentially if there's any trades come in whatever um you know a lot of a lot of games left to be played it's more just not really super terribly helpful or interesting to speculate too much on the playoff matchups or you know how the how the path to the playoffs looks that we there will there will be plenty of time for that i think as as we get closer um but yeah i, I think i think that's the only question i remember so <laughs> do you, are you worried about them making a deep playoff run and do you have any thoughts on the dolphins um i mean are we going to do the dolphins preview now or just no i mean they're not no, talking, just, in the fourth just, quarter so yeah no, I mean, I think the Dolphins are a good squad. I think I'm more worried about them in the long term than I am in the short term, and I'll leave it there for now. Sure. Yeah, Paul. that's a that's a good answer, and I'll answer briefly, too. I think even one thing with the Patriots, who are clearly down this year, just because the Patriots are down this year doesn't mean I doubt Belichick and that team's ability to be good next year. And I really like what Brian Flores has done with the Dolphins, and I even said that last year when they were had such mediocre talent, and yet still they found wins all over that schedule, including a huge one on the road to end the season. I think they finished with like six wins or so on a team that had minimal talent and they still got two out of it and rebuilt their line. Uh, they should be, but, but like Scott, I don't think they're quite at the bills level yet, but I think they're going to be worrisome next year. So yeah, too, I just started talking about the playoff pictures for the same reasons that Scott mentioned. And then, yeah, the, the deep platform, I don't worry about the jets. I'm, I'm with Frank in terms of the point differential, issue that they have something called Pythagorean runs in baseball, which I think is similarly bullshit. It's just, you know, points are points. And, you know, the Bills lost a random Thursday night game to the Browns, 37 to 24, where Jeff Toole had a pick six at the end of the game when they were driving to potentially score the winning touchdown. The Bills also lost to Washington in Super Bowl 26, 
37 to 24, literally the exact same score. But that was based on two late touchdowns the Bills got, and one of which after they recovered an onside kick to go and score the other touchdown. So identical scores, completely different games. So I put much more into watching the game and what goes on during the game than than point differentials. So football is sorry. Go ahead. No, that covers my covers it all. I just was going to say since you brought it up, football is just a so much smaller sample size that it takes one weird game to screw up a metric like that as opposed to baseball where okay even if you lose 22 to 4 which has happened you know like the Yankees have done that um and the Nats have like gotten blown out by double digits before that's one of 162 so like that ends up getting like massaged out in the wash basically whereas you know this year the Titans game even if you don't want to say like like I do that, like it was just a weird freaking Tuesday at the office and it it was not representative of the bills, what a bills Titans game probably should have been. Um, but the very last, the very end of the game is this like nonsense touchdown that doesn't matter. That is only just like a function of a weird bounce of a ball. And nobody was even really looking to score. It just happened to fall in this guy's hands. And that's the difference between a negative and a positive result. So, you know, if at the end of the year you want to look at point differential and say, yeah, they were a good team or a bad team, but eight weeks in, it's like, I don't know, it's a yeah. it's a it's a weak metric to begin with, and 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 to me, it's it's you need to really take it with a grain of salt, as is a lot of honestly football stats because the sample size is small, guys. It's and too small. One, and not to interrupt, but one of my favorite stats, not it's not a stat, but I I looked up the dates on December sixth of twenty ten. The New York Jets went to New England and lost 45 to three to the New England Patriots. Almost exactly a month later, on January 16th, they went to New England in the playoffs and beat New England 28 to 21. Exactly. <laughs> so week so, to week game with small sample sizes. Absolutely. So there you go. Uh, this day in Bills headlines is All up right. next, and then we are going to talk about um, the Bills and Seahawks. All right. Sounds good. So we've got. Uh, November 3rd is today's date, uh, the beginning of the uh, Jorgensen-Cohen uh, rule in the United States of America. As we'll All find hail out. our libertar- libertarian overlords. Yes. <laughs> so we'll start a little mini warm-up question, not super easy, but not too tough. 2019, Bill's blank hunting for his first sack on Washington's rookie QB. We understand it's going to be big for blank, defensive end Jerry Hughes said. So we want to go out there and take it to these guys. We want to let them know that he's an extraordinary player and we're happy to have him. And we want to show them what he's brought to this team and what he's brought to our D line room. 2019, you said, or 2019? 20, so a year ago today. And, and out of curiosity, he did in fact get his first sack of the year that day. Must be Ed Oliver. Oliver, yeah. No, no. Think, think of the opponent here, Washington. Why would it matter to this player? Because uh, he was Native American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a good reason, but no. Um, uh, still, someone else still are... very active for the Bills. Still, still playing for the team. <laughs> uh, so team. So it's not. It's probably not Starla Tule. It's probably not Harrison Phillips. It's probably, probably not Jordan Hughes. Phillips. You've named pretty much all the linemen from last year, except Mario Addison. No, he wasn't on the team last year. See, I don't know. Shaq Lawson <laughs> wasn't. He's not. 
<laughs> okay, Frank now Beach. I think you've literally named all of the live. You've named all the live, but this guy in Daryl Johnson. So it's not Daryl Johnson. This guy started <laughs> 16 games player. last year, and he started six so far this year. Um, well, and he played good, for Washington he? for three seasons before coming to Buffalo. Well, you said something Trent about Murphy. a rookie. Trent Murphy. We heard it. All I right. said Trent Murphy. Oh, you did? Yes. Oh, I'm an asshole. Sorry. I didn't hear it, Frank. Oh, whatever. Well, you said something about rookie. I don't know. Okay, whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. We're off to we a rookie. Uh, 2018, we have no quiz this year, but I had to point out the headline. Nathan Peterman planned to go out and rip it versus Bears. Ten reasons sure for did. Bills fans to be optimistic. That was the that was the game where he, on fourth and whatever, instead of throwing, it was the end of the half, and instead of throwing the Hail Mary, he ran. Yep. Remember? Yep. Oh, God. Yep. Okay. The, the, the Bears won that game 41-9 to in Buffalo. Uh, my favorite stat in that game, Peterman threw 49 passes for 188 yards. That is oh tough to average 3.8 yards in attempt. Most running backs are going to average more yards in attempt uh, than that. No touchdowns, three picks, one of them a pick six. Typical Peterman numbers. All right, 2016, Bill's wide receiver blank feels refreshed and ready to go. I actually thought I was done, Blank said in the lead up to this week's Monday night football game against the Seahawks. I was at peace pretty much the first five weeks of the NFL. I wasn't really focused on football. I didn't have the urge to go play. I was just was kind of relaxing, just letting my mind chill. Uh, and then as the next month went by and the body started feeling kind of good in my mind, I started wondering a little bit. At that point, I told my agent, don't make no calls. Just see what happens. And I kept training, kept doing my thing. And then the bills called. This was wide receiver. He played only five games with the Bills in 2015. He retired, and then he came back and played in this game against uh, Seattle that was upcoming, and then the next week's game, but then that was it for his career. Is this the guy from Minnesota that I always want to guess, Percy Harvin? It is Percy Harvin, yeah. Nice. Okay. Good job. Well done. Yes. All right. I almost said Roscoe Paris, which is like the Bills draft version of (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. This is a good one. Uh, you guys could get this immediately or not at all, and neither would surprise me. Mm-hmm. 2014, Bill's faith in blank paying off on special teams. So no sub headline other than to note this was the Bill's special teams coordinator from 2013 to 2018, which means, as you might remember, he came in with Marone. He stayed through the entirety of Rex Ryan and through the first two years of McDermott. And that is just unheard of. Uh, for someone to last that long. Is this, it's either Bruce Bobby April. Nope. You got two of the two previous ones. Danny uh, Crossman. Danny Crossman. There we go. Okay. Well, wow, we got Miami three different special, special teams coaches. <laughs> you had a good week this week. Miami had some had a, a return for a touchdown. So Danny's having a good week. Good job, Frank, too. All right. This one is tougher, but I, I, I feel like this might be one that is a type that Scott would pull out of the hat. So I'm nearly guaranteeing Frank will get this immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, 2012, Bills blank, doubtful versus Texans. A hip injury that has lingered throughout the season for right tackle blank may mean a new starting combination is on the horizon. They did something yesterday. They're seeing if it takes any effect, and then they'll make a decision from there. Coach Changili said of the treatment by doctors on blank who had surgery on the groin hip area in the spring. We're going to see if he can move around at all between now and the game. Uh, in game time, and then we'll make a decision. So he indeed actually did miss the game, and he actually missed the rest of the season, but uh, he'd start all 16 games at right tackle for the Bills in 2011, and he did so again in 2013, the season after this, and then he moved to right guard and started all 16 games there for the Bills in 2014. 
Five hmm. seasons total with the team, 56 start, played his college ball at Colorado State. He was undrafted and began his career with the Broncos in 05. I'm going to say... Um... I will give a, I'll give the, the name of the star of the forthcoming, the flight attendant, the Big Bang Theory is Kaylee Cuoco, who's oh, okay. been all over my Twitter feed recently. Well, there are worse things to have all over your Twitter feed. Uh, I would say if you combine the names of a medieval Norse explorer into popular fruit, you might guess his name. Eric Apple? You're you're halfway there. That's right. So it's John Apple. <laughs> um, oh, of, Eric Pierce. Eric Pierce. There we go. Yes. All right. Uh, Thank you. Friend. I love when I can give hints like combine the names of a Middle Evil Norse explorer and a popular fruit. All right. 2005. This will be a tougher one, but we have uh, word related hints as well if needed. Bills cornerback blank likely out for season. Blank, Buffalo's sixth-round pick in the 2002 draft, has been out since he had surgery last spring to repair his bro- a broken bone in his right knee. He aggravated the injury before training cap and was forced to have surgery a second time in September. So he, this guy, he went to UNLV. The UNLV. He had three seasons with the Bills. He never did play in 05, as they mentioned, because his career was his season ended, and then his career actually was ended, which I found out because for some reason on Patriots.com in April 2006, they mentioned the Bills release, this guy. Hmm. Didn't find any other Bills-related news on his release, but the Patriots.com had it. Tom Brady. Nope. I will uh, I'll say he was replaced in the lineup by someone with the same initials and the same last name, actually, and whose first name almost rhymes with the city where the Brewers play. So his first name rhymes with Milwaukee? Essentially. Not quite, but close enough. <laughs> that was such a um Will Shorts like series of like clues. Like we're on NPR Sunday yeah. morning and we're yeah. trying exactly. like, oh well, it's he was replaced by the guy with the same initials and like write your answer on a postcard and send yeah. it to NPR and maybe we'll draw your name. Um, um, but good job because Will Shorts is a puzzle master. So, yeah. um, my goal. Uh, All right, I don't think we're close. The player who Hawk replaced him, Jay Mizerschmidt. <laughs> oh, you survived me. Quick, quick side note. I was going to make a joke being this podcast. We've had 250 episodes, and I assumed you could at the very least type in Izzy Skittles, and we would be the first result. But we're yeah. the fifth. We're really? The fifth damn result <laughs> when you type in Izzy Skittles on oh, Google. Okay. Because there's actually someone with a Facebook page, Izzy Skittles, and someone with an Izzy and Skittles Instagram account. And Izzy, yeah, Izzy, Skittles. Izzy and Skittles, YouTube, yeah. Amazon. Oh, man, that's so... Yeah. I'm, and on DuckDuckGo, it's even worse. But anyway, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, so this player, uh, his, the player who replaced him is named Kilwaukee Thomas. Mm. And he was named Kevin Thomas, was the player we're looking gotcha. for. I guess I yeah. forgot to mention that it's the 250th episode. So go us. Historic. All right, a uh, few to go. 2000, Blank emerging as Bill's top rushing threat. This goes great with the conversation Frank and I had, uh, I believe, on Twitter about the late 90, the between Antoine Smith and Travis Henry legion of backs the run that the Bills tried. Um, Blank is the first to admit this beats washing dishes at SeaWorld. His lowest point came August 30th, 1997. Blank was working the kitchen at SeaWorld in Texas uh, as a short order cook. 
he looked up the clock. Texas Tech was taking the field against Tennessee, uh, and he was cleaning dishes and breading chicken. He knew he should have been there, played playing for Texas Tech, but he had no one to blame but himself. Uh, he was paying for more than a year of indiscretion and irresponsibility. He lived in his own world, a TV-watching, sleep-catching, class-giving, party-hopping adventure some people called college. Um, but he recovered uh, from his college malaise and getting kicked out. He went back to Texas Tech. He played four seasons with the Bills from 2000 to 2003, three with the Dolphins, and then, shockingly, five with the Patriots, uh, where he had some really good years. Watched for 1,486 yards and 12 TDs with the Patriots, had numerous 100-yard games with them. Um, he was Bills' fifth-round pick in 2000 out of Texas Tech. So it's not Sean Bryson, because he would have been playing for Tennessee at that time. Right. Um, Sideline. I don't know. Uh, Scott. Scott, any ideas on this one? Texas Tech, Tech Patriots, back. Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis. Uh, uh, Bills to Dolphins to, to Pats. 13-year career. Bills to Dolphins. To Sam Gash. Ooh, keep along that first name. Sam Morris? Sammy Morris. Sammy wow. Morris. Sam Bam Morris. Sam, did Sam Gash Morris. play for two of those teams? He did. Sam, Sam Gash, Gash did. went Patriots, Bills, Patriots Bills in his Okay, career. right. Literally, I was, I was like, all right, points. okay. Um, 1998, blank versus blank. Fates crossing paths. One of these will be easy for you. The other might might be or might not be. Do not ask blank to expound on the symbolism of blank, the Orange Bowl in 1984, other than to refer to a game he watched from the sideline as one of the greatest he ever saw. Uh, and he said the team with the ball last is going to win. Blank was a redshirt freshman for Jimmy Johnson's Hurricanes on that day. Down to his final fling, Blank somehow found Gerard Phelan in an end zone crowd for 64 yards, a touchdown, a 47-45 victory for BC in one career-defining moment. All these years later, Blank, who is supposedly destined for his own snapshots of incredible brilliance, pursues the perfect astrological line of the stars, the moon, and the Meadowlands. At 34, he plays on for what Blank extraordinarily achieved with that one Hail Mary pass. Doug Flutie. Doug, Doug Flutie is Doug the quarterback. Flutie. Obviously, was the one who threw the hail marys, and the yeah. article is focusing on this other player who was on the Miami Hurricanes sideline at the time. And he said it's not a guy with a Bills connection, but he was a guy. Note the note the pursues the perfect astrological alignment of the stars, the moon, and the Meadowlands, and he's 34 years old in 1998. Uh. Think of a 34-year-old. Vinny, Vinny Testaverde? Yes, Vinny Testaverde. Nice. Was the opposing quarterback for the nice. Hurricanes. Um, this should be fairly easy. 1994, Jets try to understand. Bills are more complex. If you believe in short-term history, the Jets should destroy the Bills Sunday Giants Stadium. After all, the Jets have already embarrassed the Bills 23-3 in the season opener. If you believe in long-term history, the Bills should destroy the Jets. After all, the Bills have reached Super Bowl the last four years. They've won 12 of their last 14 games at Giants Stadium and eight straight, uh, including one against the Giants. The rival coaches, blank of the Jets, and I believe the Bills discounted both theories today. They seem more concerned with the immediate situation. For example, the Bills' new offense. Ooh, Jets coach. Okay. Jets coach, coach with a Bills five. connection? Uh, not a Bills. Let's put it this way. Not a Bills connection, but there's there's a reason I'm asking it. It's okay. a name that could be near the top of your mind this week. 
Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Carroll, there we go. Oh, that's right. He actually swept the Bills that year. That was the first year the Bills didn't make the, the Super Bowl. So Pete Carroll's first job in the league was with Buffalo as a coach. Yes, that's right. It's a, safe, a safeties coach or secondaries coach. Yeah, I think secondary maybe. coach. Like yeah. All right. Uh, 1986, no quiz, but it's important to note Ralph Wilson fired head coach Hank Billa and brought in former Kansas City Chiefs coach Marv Levy on this day on November 3rd. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the last one, 40 years ago, 1980, uh, Falcons rallied to beat Bills 30 to 14. Uh, not every Sunday does a team from the National Conference beat one from of the stronger ones from the American. So when it happens, it mm-hmm. is likely to cause a tremor in the NFL pecking order. It happened today when the Atlanta Falcons rallied from a 14-0 deficit to defeat the Bills 30-14. to So the quiz part, uh, some of the Bills victimized by the bounces, especially on a phantom fumble that came after an intended fair catch of a punt by Blank, their rookie running back. Said it took the referee and the other officials five minutes to start the decision was to give the ball. The Falcons' ruling was that Blank had been tripped by a teammate and the loose ball was touched by Blank on another uh, blah, 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 blah. So Bills running back. Rookie, rookie running, back. running back, and this is okay. a guy who had rushed for uh, the first Bills score of that game. Is um, well. yeah, I'm I'm thinking about my football cards here. Um, <laughs> I will try and get his years with the Bills. He had well, 1982. Yeah, so um, it starts 1980. He played with the Bills is through this 19- Bell. Nope, Greg Bell's a good guess because they Bell, overlap. Yeah, 1980 Could through be. 1985 with the Bills, 86 and 87 with the Niners, and 88 he split between Indy and Miami. He made three Pro Bowls in his first four years in Buffalo, rushed for a thousand yards in each of those uh, seasons. Uh, had a career high of 1185, and this his rookie year of 1980. I do know this name. I'm not going to come up with it though. You're going to say he, it, and I'm going to be like, yes. He, like, he he went on after those years in you know Indy and Miami and stuff to be a very famous artsy director known for kind of like a really high detail kitsch way of filming, uh, including specifically Rushmore, the Royal Tenenbaums, mm. uh, Grand yeah. Best Hotel, Wes Anderson is, is the, is the person we're looking for. I'm always glad when I can guess while you're giving the description who it is at first, I'm like, this could be David Lynch. And then you said quirky dress. I'm like, Oh no, it's going to be Wes Anderson. So, um, I was looking for Joe Cribs. Joe Cribs. See, I know that name. I know Joe Cribs. Yeah. Damn it. Popular bill, good bill of the early 80s, yes. three Pro Bowls in four years, and that was this day in Bill's headlines for November 3rd. Sorry, Joe Cribs. Okay, so the Seahawks are anywhere from one and a half to two and a half point favorites against the Bills in Buffalo. Yes? Yes. Yes. In um, and they're a good team, allegedly, and Paul seems to think highly of their defense. Uh, in that they're going to give John Feliciano trouble. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but look, they're a good team. They have the probable MVP, MVP Russell Wilson, playing for them. Um, they uh, are an NFC team, and I'm going to turn it over to Scott now because I want to save my thoughts for the end. Yeah, this this one's a tough one. I mean, um, you know, I think the Bills have a chance. It's at home. You obviously have the West Coast team coming east thing working in the bills favor um obviously the bills you know are not on a streak but certainly have been playing a little bit better the last two weeks have kind of gotten a little more kind of um the little more movement i guess a little more positive momentum but at the same time we know that really only lasts for about a week until you play your next game 
obviously the the Seahawks are a good team. Um, their line is not that great, but they have enough weapons that Russell Wilson can kind of make you pay um, whether you're being rushed or whether you're not being rushed and uh, or whether you're successful in rushing him or not. Um, the defense has kind of kept them in games a little bit. Um, they still have some decent players. Obviously, they have Jamal Adams, potentially. Um, they have some other guys. They have Quandre Diggs. They have K.J. Wright. They have Bobby Wagner. Um, the defensive line is not quite as scary to me. Um, so they did bring in Carlos Dunlap, um, but I'm not sure he's going to be available um, quite for the um, for the Bills game. I think this is a shootout. I will say the, the I read a stat that said that the Seahawks have the 27th or 28th worst pass defense in the league, um, which is interesting. So that suggests that if the Bills are doing their game planning in contrast to last week's Pats game, maybe this is the week that Josh Allen does need to take advantage under the theory that the run game mm-hmm. probably won't be able to do as much. Um, so I think he can play better, but expecting him to win a shootout against Russell Wilson is tough right now because Wilson's pretty much playing out of his mind. He's like, <laughs> like he's like, it's not even like he's he's this this is okay. Seahawks point totals so far this year: 38, 35, 38, 31, uh, 27 against the Vikings. 34 in a loss against the Cardinals and 37 against the Niners. Mm-hmm. So you're going to need probably, 40. you're probably going to need 40. You're probably going to need 38 points. If you're the bills, I'm not sure we're getting 38 points. Um, I think I'll put it at Seattle 34 bills, 28. I think, I think we hang in there with them for a little while but I just don't think we've got the, the schlitz to get over the line. I think I don't know if I don't know if we have a chance to win it at the end, or whether that's a a kind of a garbage time that lets us you know kind of pull within seven and an onside kick at the end. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't I don't know if we got the horses for this. I, I think if we were at full strength, maybe. But it seems like John Brown's not all the way there. The line's not really all the way there. Allen's in a bit of a funk. It just I don't know if they can do it. Yeah, I this is. Scott really went in depth on, on on the players in the matchup, so I won't spend too much time on that. But I think that this is that's the same. I have the same flavor of game. My my prediction is Seattle thirty to twenty two. So uh, also kind of a one scoreish game against the Seahawks, and I'm not sure how it'll shake out at the end. Uh, again, it's it's picking the better team is done done well for me. I'm six and two, which is not as good as these two. It's seven and one with their picks, but. I think Seattle's just better. Wilson's been on fire. He had a few interceptions against the Cardinals and his only flawed looking performance. And he still played phenomenal that day and, and um, would have carried them to victory if the defense hadn't uh, crapped itself toward the end of the game and in overtime. So, uh, yep, Seattle 30 to 22. Are you ready? Here we go. This is who Seattle has beaten Atlanta, trash. New England, <laughs> trash. Dallas, trash. Miami, okay, good. Minnesota, trash. Arizona, they lost to him. Okay. And then they beat up a a completely defenseless or offenseless, I guess is a better way to put it, San Francisco 49ers team. Okay. I get it. They score a lot of points. They give up a lot of points. They give up they gave up 27 points to a 49ers team that apparently didn't have Kittles or Garoppolo on it. I don't understand how that happens, but they did. They gave up 37 to the Cardinals, 26, 23. 
I'm looking at 31 points for the Cowboys in week three, 30 points, 30 points for the Patriots, 30 points, 25 points for the Falcons that can't fucking tie their shoes. Get out of here. Get out of here. This is going to be the hardest game. I'm sick of the narrative of this game being about, whoa, is a test for the Bills? Fuck it. It's a test for the Seahawks. Have you seen who they've had to play? They played nobody. They've beaten nobody. I understand that you can look at the Bills schedule and say, who have they beaten? Fair enough. But yeah, we could co- say the Rams and the, the Raiders. There we go. Right. And I think that you stack those up and you or and maybe the Dolphins and you say, yeah. OK, well, that's sort of comparable to who the Seahawks have had to beat. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't know. I think the Bills are scuffling. Sure. But look at who they've had to play. I think Seattle has as much to prove in this measuring stick bullshit game as anybody else. I'd like to put out there right now. I don't give a shit if they win this game. If they don't win this game, I'm not going to come back and be all sad. I want them to win the game because a win is a win. But. I'm not going to be sad that like, well, they didn't stack up against Seattle. What's the fucking point of the season? Bullshit. Get the fuck out of here. And not only that, they're going to beat the Seahawks. They're going to beat the Seahawks 30 to 24 because I think the Seahawks are a do and B they haven't had to play a team as good as Buffalo. I think the defense is shoring itself up at the right time, but more importantly, Buffalo is in a position where finally they're going to have a little room against a bad pass defensive team to get back on track. And I think Josh Allen gets up for that shit. So for me, make it a Bills win. Seven and two Buffalo Bills. They're going to beat Seattle. They're going to go three and one over the next four games. And it's going to be fucking awesome. Okay. Uh, if you like that prediction, you can let us know facebook.com slash MNY or go to MNY bills on Twitter. You can Google us. We have 250 episodes you can find somewhere on the internet. I mean, they're scattered around among several different blogs and podcasting services, but you can do that. If you go to iTunes, you can find them all. So just do that or whatever your podcatcher is and, and, and go there. Um, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, we do hope to be back next week talking about this bill Seahawks game, uh, provided the internet still exists. <laughs> along with democracy and freedom um, and or, you know, just civilization in general. Uh, so hopefully that's all still here. Until then, thank you so much for listening. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody. <laughs>